0: Entertainment, sports, culture.
1: This is Raleigh Co. Radio, podcast presented by Raleigh & Company.
0: St. Paul the Persecutor was a cruel and sinful man. Jesus hit him with a blinding light, and then his life began I said oh, yes Welcome to this week's edition of Spooning with Dimitri I am the aforementioned Dimitri and we go back to a restaurant we've been to before this week but for a brand new reason Greg Gettles is the brand new chef at um at uh, Piedmont in Durham, uh, their publicity uh, person, their PR director, reached out to me and asked if I would like to talk to Greg. And at first, I was a little hesitant, just because we're sort of we're so early in the show and we've already done Piedmont. But I'm really glad I went. Greg not only is a super easy guy to talk to. There's sometimes in doing this that I've found chefs that you kind of have to poke and prod. And when you ask, you know, how you got started cooking, they don't you don't just want an answer that's like. Well, I went to school, or my grandmother taught me. You, you want more than that, right? And But Greg was just full of good stories and full of uh, answers that came with explanations. You'll certainly hear that here. Uh, the music I chose this week is uh, Saint of Me by the Rolling Stones, because you'll hear that Greg uh, not only went through some struggles with addiction, but also some struggles figuring out exactly where his place was uh, in the world in a lot of ways. I mean, you'll hear him talk about that he followed his sister's footsteps into becoming a vegetarian for a while until he figured out that wasn't for him. He tried school for a little while until he figured out that wasn't for him. So to me, and also it should be pointed out that I am putting this together uh, the day that the Rolling Stones are in Raleigh, so that's why uh, their catalog was at the top of my mind excuse me, uh, but uh, to me, the song is not so much about you'll never get me to do right, you'll never get me to, um, you know, you'll never get me to conform, as much as it is about uh, you never know what someone is capable of, you never know what someone's path is going to be, uh, to me, you know, this song, The the Saint of Me, that they're always talking about, has more to do with, uh, well, I said it's not about conformity, but I, I guess it kind of is. I, I guess alright, let me completely contradict myself. Uh, to me, the song is more about uh, finding your own path and not conforming to, you know, what everybody is hoping for or pushing you towards. Uh, so, anyway,
1: sit back, enjoy and this I'm chat with Greg I'm doing something wrong.
0: you a Triangle native?
1: Uh, I call North Carolina home. Okay. So where'd you come from? Uh, Born in Ohio, West Virginia, Virginia, Connecticut, Mm. kind of all over. Military kid? My dad worked for National Insurance. Oh, okay.
0: I didn't realize that was such a uh, transferred.
1: Yeah, it's kind of one of those things where you just constantly, you know, it's like every year or two years, you get up and move. Yeah. I mean, he 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 definitely wanted to work his way up. So it was kind of, the second a good job came up, he took it.
0: Yeah. So, so growing up with, uh, with that, growing up with a dad that was in insurance and had such a, I don't know, normal job for lack of a better term, uh, was it sort of a, I don't know if motivation is the right term, but was that sort of a, like, were you looking at that saying that's not, what I want, uh, and that sort, of, that sort of what, led you to a more creative path?
1: Well, I think that, the inspiration for you know seeing my dad. Work as you know. Work as hard as he could, and he mm. just never stopped. I mean, right. the man never stopped, and even to this day, he's retired, still didn't stop working. Right. Yeah, you know, I mean, <laughs> he's just one of those people who just can't can't sit still. Yeah. And um, I took that as kind of that's what I want to you know I want to move up. I want to do something. I want to make something. And um, we the family was very creative. So I have two older sisters who I idolize to this day. Um, one of them is actress, you know, she does Shakespearean. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's her deal. That's, yeah. It's amazing. I, you know, I grew up watching her play, do plays and all that. And then my other sister was a ballet dancer mm-hmm. for a long time. Um, so it was kind of definitely that environment where, in, musically inclined, you know, we, we played music growing up. Um, but as far as creativity, you know, that was one thing. And it's something I still battle with all the time you know forcing myself to be creative it's not it doesn't come very easy to me yeah Um, it's kind of one of those things where you just got to keep keep pushing yourself to to make something interesting yeah so
0: as a chef is that like i guess when you know you do something really well and you know like in this environment obviously you have customers but even um you know even cooking at home for family or loved ones or whatever um, you know, there's the desire to impress it if you know you can impress with this sort of thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, that that's kind of the cool thing is um, I kind of took a knack for cooking, it just kind of came to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't say it came easy, you know, I busted it to, to get where I'm at, but, uh, you know, I played sports growing up, so the team environment mm-hmm. was very important to me, and I you know, I kind of clicked with that immediately, um, and just the strive to be better every day, you yeah. know, to, to never Never go backwards. Always mm. move forwards, and um, you know, just problem solving. That that's one of my favorite parts about it. Is, you know, if you can't get something to work right or the way you want it to, how do you manipulate it to right. to get it to where you want it to be? But uh, but yeah, it it was all about the the team environment that kind of drove me into it. Yeah, um, and then we just I just kept going from there. Yeah.
0: You know? So what sports did you play growing up?
1: Uh, soccer, baseball, uh, I got really into hockey, uh, um, oh, because wow. when you're in Connecticut, it's kind of like, you,
0: you <laughs> everybody you, you, Yeah,
1: you don't, um, you know, in the winters, everybody floods their backyards, you just yeah. skate on the ponds, and, um, so that was kind of the thing, it was, you, you know, and since we moved around a lot, you know, having childhood friends, it didn't really, Right. you knew, like, back in, the, back in our heads as kids, we all knew that we're probably going to get up and move here soon, so we didn't get too close to anybody, mm-hmm. but, um, that was a way for me to kind of make sure. friends and um, play sports and all that. So.
0: Was it also hard, did it also sort of make it hard to uh, gel with new teammates? I mean, you know, you talk about, like, baseball, there's certainly, you're a part of a team, but there's a big element of individuality to it. Yeah. And, and really, I mean, kind of the same with soccer, not nearly as much, but obviously there are big wide-open spaces that you're running on your own. Hockey is one of those things that I would imagine not coming from the same Place so in the same group with these kids that grew up together could make it a little bit hard.
1: It, it was, and you know, it was kind of funny because all these kids, you know, everybody in the neighborhood, every kid played, Right. you know, and it was just kind of like when I came when I came to this came to Connecticut. It was kind of like, oh, I just want to be their friends so much. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and, uh, so, but they were all so much better than I was. Of course. And you know, where was
0: the move to Connecticut from?
1: Uh, it was actually we moved. We lived in Raleigh, oh, okay. um, in North Raleigh at the time, and then we moved to Connecticut, and then we came. To
0: yeah, came back but this is pre-hurricane so yeah, there's very yeah. little opportunity oh, yeah, to pick up
1: There there's <laughs> no and you know my some of my favorite memories are of my dad and i in north raleigh you know i took an interest in hockey before i ever got serious about it and um him with a broomstick and <laughs> me with a you know me with a stick and just playing in the garage yeah and messing around but uh but yeah i going to connecticut was kind of like I did everything I could to get better. <laughs> it was yeah, like I just want to play on their teams. And of course, I was on the lowest of the totem pole. Uh, yeah. team-wise, but um, and then when we moved back to North Carolina, it was kind of like, well, we were a lot better than you know because in Connecticut, the lowest there is like middle of the road here. Right. Yeah, so, it was, you know, it was interesting. But uh, as far as being on the team, you know, young kids obviously they're gonna you know, pick on you and all that kind right. of stuff. But it was never a serious issue you know was, you kind of gelled with people the second you got in there sure so but.
0: so you'll you'll discover as we go on my interviewing style is to hear something that interests me and go to it so we'll bounce oh, yeah, all over that's the place fine. That's fine. so uh tell me a little bit so if, if raleigh is sort of like a almost like a home base it seems like even as you guys are are moving all over the place when and and what is it that makes you it gives you an interest in cooking I mean was there a particular place y'all went as a family was your mom or or dad a a good cook um my mom
1: was a big believer in cooking every you know dinner every night family sits down together I mean you know my dad working those long hours you know and he traveled all the time yeah
0: so so even when you're in a place like it's not like you when you go to Connecticut it's not like he's set up in in Hartford and stays there
1: no no I mean he was constantly constantly traveling but um you know, my mom made a very big point that we're gonna have dinner, you know, especially if he's in town, we're having dinner together. You know, yeah. that kind of a thing. Um, and so she cooked every now. I mean she, at the time she I thought her cooking was amazing. I mean yeah, right. you know, like <laughs> chicken chicken noodle soup and some chicken in a crock pot, oh my god. You know, that was the best <laughs> thing I ever had. And um, but I mean she's a great cook and she still to this day, she constantly tests out new recipes and it's hilarious. She'll call me I'm like, I don't know how to do this. I'm like, don't worry about it. It's nothing when in doubt, add more butter. Um, but uh, she, uh, you know, she definitely inspired me in a sense to, you know, one of my first cooking memories is we made pizza dough. Mm-hmm. We, that was the thing. You know, we made pizza, like, every week. Yeah. Just, that was one of our things. But what really, I think what really sparked the um, the cooking in my life was, so... My sisters decided to become vegan and vegetarian mm-hmm. when I was maybe 12, 11, something like that. Now how much
0: older are you than they? No, or they're
1: they're two. I one sister is two years older, and one uh-huh. that's five years older. Okay. So, you know, of course, being you know since we moved around so much, you know my my oldest sister was the definition of cool to me. Right. You know, it was like, and she didn't want to have anything to do with me. <laughs> you know, but to an extent, you know, she was very you know, awesome, but uh, she was five years older, you Right. know, that's kind of a big difference when you're that young.
0: And uh, that's, I have a little sister that's five years younger than me, and it's funny you're saying that, because one time we had this conversation, and now I'm, I'm going to be 34 in August, and she's 29, and she was sort of saying the same thing, of like, you know, when you are, when I'm a senior, and she's in seventh grade, yeah. you know, she said, you know, you were so cool to me, but it wasn't like, you were cool, but your friends were the coolest. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, and that was the thing, you know my my sister was just so just all i wanted to do was like see what she was doing right uh, hang out with her friend but um and then my other sister who's two years older she was like my best
0: friend Mm -hmm. growing up i
1: mean still my relationship with my sisters now is phenomenal yeah i I mean we talk regularly and all that and it wasn't like that for a
0: long time yeah where uh, that uh
1: one sister is in asheville Mm -hmm. and then the other one is in virginia
0: okay so
1: uh the oldest one's a navy wife and doing that. The other one is, you know, she just got done with a a master's in some sort of acting thing. (laughs) I I, I don't know. Um, But uh, she, uh, yeah, they're just in Nashville kind of figuring it out right now. um, But, but yeah, they became vegan and vegetarian when I was young. And I thought, of course, I thought that was the coolest thing ever. So I became vegetarian, vegan, you know, trying to live that lifestyle. And so my mom, of course, cooking you know, protein, starch, veg every night, she was like, well, you're on your own. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that really kind of inspired us to, you know, just make whatever, Yeah. you know, do do whatever. So that was a really fun time um, just trying to figure that out. And, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of where it just stemmed from. And mm-hmm. then my first cooking job
0: it, So hang on, would you at least eat the starch and vegetable or oh, because yeah. there was butter and it was there? Oh, no, no, I didn't yeah. care about that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean,
1: my diet consisted of like pretzels and you know, <laughs> right. a, a coke after school. That was that was pretty much it. But uh, but yeah, and then as far as cooking, I just kind of yeah. fell into it. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't it wasn't. I never thought like I'm gonna be a cook one day, I'm yeah, gonna be yeah. a chef one day. Um, but the second I fell into it, I was just like, this is the coolest thing in the
0: world. Yeah. So so a lot of well. So first of all, are, are you still vegan vegetarian? Oh God, no. <laughs> so what was what was the catalyst that switched back? Was it just realizing you missed something or? <laughs> So, here's
1: the, here's the deal with that. I was in a band, I uh-huh. played music in, in high school, and... Um, what would you play? Uh, at this band, I played bass, okay. I, you know, I played drums, guitar, all, yeah, yeah. all that stuff. But um, in this band, I played bass, and we were a hardcore band, right. of course, and, you know, the straight edge hardcore movement was uh, really, really big back then, and veganism and all that. So, you know, a couple of us were vegan for a while, and then I was the only one that stood, stood strong
0: yeah. with a vegan lifestyle.
1: <laughs> And I remember one day we were having band practice and they were just like, let's get Bojangles. And I'm like, I don't, can't eat that, guys. And they're like, all right, we're going to flip a coin. If it lands on heads, you're eating the chicken.
0: So,
1: <laughs> uh, all right. And sure enough, landed on heads, ate the chicken and threw up for a couple of days after that. But, uh, but then it just kind of like, you know, for a time I was really about animal welfare and all mm-hmm. that. And not really buying into PETA, but, you know, the factory farming and all well, that sure. stuff, which is, you know, it's traumatizing to any right. young, young teen. Um, but yeah, it, it wasn't like a definitive, like, you know, I think I it might be a better idea to be, to eat meat. You know, I, I did go to the doctor sometimes and yeah. they're like, there's something wrong with you. You need to <laughs> consume protein. But, uh, I, and of course I didn't really know what I was doing when I was right. loving the, the vegan lifestyle. So, but now it's kind of like, Whatever. Yeah. I,
0: I couldn't care less. So, um, you said that there was no sort of like definitive moment that you said you wanted to be a, a cook or a chef. Um, most people I talk to uh, say, you know, I went to uh, regular college and barely got through because I didn't know what I want to do and then found cooking school. Same story? Or did you? I did not go to school. Oh, no, um,
1: really? And that's one of the things. So, I come from an academic family mm-hmm. and, you know, both my sisters graduated, you know, my parents graduated and all that. So, I kind of went the other route. You know, when I, the second I graduated high school, I was out the door, you know, I- Touring you know, with a band or? No, no, Oh God, no, no, we yeah. didn't, that <laughs> didn't work. Um, but, uh, you know, I also was kind of living a pretty rough lifestyle, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I really hate to say it, but you know, going into kitchens, that pirate lifestyle is yeah. rampant, and you know, I bought into it. I was kind of like, that's awesome. I want to live that, you know, and, you know, uh, Anthony Bourdain's, you know, that, that book came out, Kitchen Confidential, so everybody idolized that book when it came out, um, you know, I'd read Marco Pierre White's Heat, and I was just like, that, you know, I saw that, and I was like, oh, I want to be that guy, you know, and, um, so I just kind of bought into it, and just lived the destructive (laughs) lifestyle of, you know, staying up late, drugs, alcohol, whatever it may be, and then, um. You know, when I got, it, I started realizing I had a knack for it, and um, it came pretty quickly to me. Just, I'm assuming
0: you mean cooking, and not the drugs. And yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> well, no, um, they uh, came pretty naturally too. But uh, but the once I started realizing that you know maybe I could do something with this, that's when I took it more seriously. And you know, I never, up until um, three years ago, I never had just one job. I always had yeah. two jobs. I mean, it was not only to support my my habits, but um, I wanted to learn.
0: You know, yeah, it's yeah. kind
1: of one of those things.
0: And I did go to community college for three weeks. <laughs> so so let's not we'll go around saying you're not educated.
1: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, so I, I went, I was working, um, I was at Irregardless Cafe in uh-huh. downtown in Raleigh, and um, I was working there on the line, and I was working a catering job in the morning, mm-hmm. and I was like, this sucks, like, yeah. I gotta get and I was like, well, what am I going to do? Yeah. I like reading. I'll be an English teacher. You know, having no idea. Just kind of like, I'll do that. Right. So like Sign up for community college, paid for tuition, got my books. After three weeks of it, I was like, I can't sit in a classroom. Yeah. And um, I do regret. I mean, that's one of my biggest regrets is I wish, you know, I idolized getting that paper, mm. just getting the de- degree. That's all I ever wanted, you know, and I... Maybe someday, but, sure. you know, and, and then when I came up through the kitchens and started working in different places, I kind of saw that it wasn't necessary yeah. to get a degree in the culinary. But, you know, I worked with a lot of guys that um, got bachelors, you know, mm-hmm. instead of the, just the generic associates. A lot of the guys that got bachelors, I mean, they said that they learned more in their, the last two years than they did in the first two years. Mm-hmm. So. You know who knows if that's ever down the road yeah. but um but yeah i I mean how can you how can you knock higher education you know how can you ever say that it's not a good idea, even if you know a lot of people say uh, culinary school is a waste i don't I don't think so,
0: yeah, I mean you know the so going having a background in radio and everything, I mean, I was very similar where I started, like kind of knew what I wanted to do from fifteen um I don't people that listen to this podcast get sick of story, but my dad's a chef. Um, so uh, he had a good customer that owned an oldie Station in Mobile, Alabama, where I grew up. He was getting ready to open a rock station, asked if I wanted to come, sort of watch the thing be built from the ground up. Um, so when it came time to go to college, and I very much had parents who were like, oh, we don't care what you want to do, you're going to college. Yeah. It was, you know, because I was around all these people that were successes in their field without having a degree, some of them without having a high school degree. It was, okay, what's the easiest thing? Film. I'll get a degree in film. And it wasn't until uh, the radio career hit the wall, kind of, that I even thought about, maybe I should go back to school and get a degree in something useful. Because having a degree in film from the University of Alabama is like having a degree in agriculture from the University of uh, Alaska. You know I mean? It's really useless. What are you going to do with that? Exactly. So, uh, So you then learn mostly from... The people that are your bosses.
1: Yeah, uh, I I can't stress enough that I was I was lucky, man. Yeah. I,
0: I mean, I got. Well, sort of going back to like that luck. If you don't have anything to show them in terms of, I mean, like you're right. You learn more probably from a real world environment, but at least having the piece of paper is something to show someone yeah. that you have at least the basic qualifications. What was it that got your foot in the door?
1: Show up. Really? I would show up. I would work for free mm-hmm. for you know however many nights until they just started paying me wow Um, and I mean I was just that hungry kid that like Mm -hmm. you know you can work me 20 hours a day I'll I'll show up swinging and um, you know the work ethic I attribute to my dad you know seeing him nonstop, I was just like that man is a machine and I Mm -hmm. want I want to be that you know Um, so that's honestly how I got pretty much every job was just showing up yeah and then with my knife kit and an apron, and just kind of like, yeah, I'll work for free. Let me work the line tonight, and you know, I'll clean your fryer. I'll do whatever, oh, wow. and then, you know, and Eventually, I kind of built a reputation amongst the my peers, and they were just kind of like, yeah, he can hang. You know, we'll let him. Yeah. Give him all the grunt work, but you know, let him let him hang out.
0: So starting out, was there a, it, I guess the the first place you go, and and you sort of say, hey, look, I'll work for free. This is what I want to learn to do, was it, did you have a relationship with the chef, or was it just a place you
1: were... I just show
0: up. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, but how did you pick out the first place you showed up? So,
1: I got into cooking, um, <laughs> so I applied to Whole Foods, <laughs> um, and I applied to be a uh, front sales, or the, the checkout clerk. Sure. Um, and I... I, I guess I showed up, and they're like, oh, we don't have a spot, but we got a spot in the kitchen."
0: Oh, okay. Great. Yeah.
1: Awesome. I'll pick up a knife, whatever. And um, so when I got there, this is back when Whole Foods was like making everything in house. You know, mm-hmm. they had that hot bar. That you know, I mean, they still do to an extent, but a lot of it's you know, they have a you know off-site place that right. is, you know, ships everything in. But um, and it was a, like a breeding ground for like burned-out chefs that like <laughs> just got. Tired of the lifestyle, and they wanted stability. They wanted insurance. They wanted all that. So I worked with a couple guys that were just.
0: And what year is this, by the way?
1: Oh God, 2006.
0: Okay.
1: Um, So I worked with a bunch of guys that were really talented, Mm -hmm. that were so good at what they were doing, but they just wanted a stable lifestyle. And um, so they just kind of took me under their wing and showed me a lot. You know, it was really cool to, you know, I, I attribute a lot of what I learned, and you know, they gave me. Countless books and recipes. You know, I got the CIA cookbook from one of them. <laughs> Another guy gave me um, a binder of just thousands of recipes. You mm-hmm. know,
0: and, some, and for people that don't know, the CIA is Chef's Institute of America, right? Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, So he he had gone there, and so you know, I he gave me his book, and it's got all these notes in it, and like, you know, like just horrible, some awful you know quotes in there, and all that kind of stuff. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I just kind of. I just studied it, and I mean, I buried myself in books, and then from there it was just kind of, you know, once I had the foundation down. And they were they were the kind of old school cats that were like, that that pepper's not perfectly diced, do it again, right? You know, and they would get in my face and all that kind of stuff. So they kind of broke me into it, and uh, you know, I was really into that lifestyle and that just aggressive, you know, you know, people getting in your face and letting you know how it was and all that kind of stuff. um, they just pushed me, and they were like, you know, the second I was thinking, I'm like, well, maybe I should get out of here. They're like, yeah, go,
0: yeah, go,
1: go, work. You know, they told me, work one place for a year, move, keep moving, don't stop. Mm-hmm. You know, don't get settled. You know, because I was, you know, being a young cook. And, you know, they also kind of instilled to in me, don't ever get too cocky, don't ever get too confident. Sure. You know, and still to this day, if I put a new dish on the menu or if I, you know, conceptualize a dish. I'm still in the back of my head, like this isn't good. You know, right. this isn't as good as it should be. this isn't and I don't think I'll ever be satisfied because of what they instilled in me. it's like, don't ever be too cocky. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that also helped me a lot moving up in the ranks through other kitchens because while other people were like, showing off or like, look what I can do, like check out this. I was I had my head down and I was yeah. just
0: grinding away. So, yeah. so you're what 27 28 now 27 27. Um, so then learning from those guys that were so old school, you know, you being a head chef, is this your first head chef job or? Yes. Okay. So when do you, or how do you sort of learn the personality management of it, of, of, being a chef? Because, you know, guys in the kitchen, maybe not everyone is used to that in your face style, but it is, it's not uncommon. Yeah. But to be the head chef there is also dealings you have to have with the front of the house and I mean that means both management and wait staff so how do you sort of learn so, the um, uh, I guess political side of it for lack of a better term
1: well when I started getting really serious about the cooking and I, I went to um, Magnolia Grill mm-hmm. and seeing Ben and Karen and how they interacted with their guests and their um, just the staff and how they ran their kitchen really I was really inspired and you know it kind of it's like I want to do I want to be like them I yeah. want to do that and um so that kind of gave me a, a ground of how I want to act and how mm-hmm. I want to hold myself in the kitchen and then when I got to Heron's I mean that was a whole different world yeah. of intensity and professionalism and all that so that really set the ground for how I like hold myself in the kitchen and how you know they how they deal with their staff and how they deal with the front of the house and all that kind of stuff um but, you know, I, I think we've all seen, everybody who's cooked, they've all seen, you know, what you want to do, what you don't want to do, you know, mm-hmm. and there's nothing good or bad about, you know, seeing, you know, your past management and how they act and how, I mean, because what I took away from Ben, what I took away from Scott Crawford, what I took away from Stephen Green, from John Childers over at Herons, I mean, those guys are the real deal. I mean, they're, they're unbelievable. Yeah. What they can do in a kitchen and how they hold themselves and how they get stuff done, I mean, that was the most inspiring time. And, you know, they really, really took me under their wing and kind of showed me how to hold myself Mm -hmm. and how to remain professional with all the intensity and all the, you know, all the stuff going on, you know, how to stay composed in the kitchen. And that's just kind of one of the things that, you know, I want to always, always maintain is stay composed. Yeah. Don't let, you know, don't, don't let little things bother you. Mm-hmm. Kind of stuff, um, and of course you know i can always talk to you know I, I have a great relationship with those guys so if i ever have an issue it's just like get them on the phone like ah this happened today i don't know what to do And they're like oh just calm down you right. know that you know so they, they're always there to
0: to back me up so it's for a combination of advice that you need someone to vent to yeah exactly, <laughs> exactly. um but they're always always there for yeah them. Uh, all right, so I, I want to talk um, a little bit about a couple of things you hit on. One of them, sort of that don't ever get too comfortable. But before uh, we get to that, you mentioned working at Heron's, which is inside the Umstead, right? Mm-hmm. So what is that environment like? Are you just working for Heron's? Or are you also responsible for room service uh, orders?
1: Yeah, man, that kitchen's insane. I bet. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, it's huge. Yeah. So that's awesome. But So if you're a line cook there, so they have the bar and grill, mm. and then they have herons so that's the two the two restaurants within Mm -hmm. the kitchen so if you're a bar cook you never stop right i mean it's just tickets all day and it's just kind of like after a while you're like oh like (laughs) i cannot believe this all these people were here to get drunk (laughs) exactly but um and then if you're in herons you know they have breakfast lunch and dinner right so that's a whole beast in itself um and then they have the banquet side you know so i was hired in as a, a p.m uh I was hired as a hot app cook okay. when I got there and um, within a couple of months I moved to the proteins and then became the entree cook and then after you know, a couple of months of that, then I was promoted to sous chef. Mm. Um, so once you're, you know, when you're a line cook there, so you have two hours to prep for a six hour service. Mm-hmm. And you know, you, you look at the other five star, Forbes five star establishments in the country I mean, they have armies, of course, yeah. you know, they have commies, they have just everybody pitching in, but there, there's three guys, four guys, and a sous chef, and you're doing all of it, wow. and it's just kind of like, so that taught you how to move, yeah. you, know, you know, like I'll, I've never felt that weeded in my life, you know, it's just kind of like that, you're drowning all the sure. time, but, you know, it taught you how to move, it taught mm-hmm. you how to get things done, how to organize, and you know, that was one of the most like, most valuable lessons I've ever learned in my career. I would
0: imagine you probably never had a long day at work, like it probably flew by pretty well, quickly. Yeah, I mean yeah. it was just
1: like, you know, you, you couldn't believe how, how much you had to get done every day Right. and um, and how much the people around you would push you. You know, that was the, the, the whole deal is we policed ourselves. You know, you had your sous chef and your chef, John Childers being the chef de cuisine I mean, those guys push you so hard to get things done and to not only get things done, but to do it right, do it right. the best. And the thing there, you know, if it wasn't perfect or the idea of perfect, do it again. Yeah. You know, if it's not as best as we can possibly make it, do it again. And, um, so that really, you know, there was nothing worse than going to set up at 530 and then realizing that something wasn't right.
0: Mm-hmm. It's like,
1: oh, great. <laughs> now <laughs> yeah. I got to fix this. But, um... But then once you become sous-chef there, um, it really opened me up to, you're not a sous-chef for just herons. You're a sous-chef for the, back, the bar, the back line, the banquets, the pool bar, you know, the spa, whatever it may be. You, know, you, you have to have a hand in everything. Yeah. Um, so that, you, know, you, you couldn't just have, this is my list for the day. Because the second you walked in there, it was like you need to do this now, that this, you know, touch that, touch that, see, right. see what they need, see you know, whatever. Um, and also the cafe, the employee cafe. I mean, so there's so many outlets in that that hotel. Um, and I mean, those those guys that work there, I mean, they're probably some of the hardest working cooks that I, I I've ever seen yeah. and that I ever will see because of what, how big of a operation it
0: is. Yeah so let's talk about let's go back then to you talking about not getting too comfortable is uh, has all of your experience been in raleigh or at least raleigh in, durham Chapel yeah. Hill? yeah um so then it, do you ever feel uh pressure obligation whatever you want to say to sort of expand that horizon a little bit or do you feel like by jumping to just by jumping to places maybe that serve different cuisine you can get a lot of that experience
1: that you know that's really what I wanted and you know very self-taught in the sense that I mean I, I just it's non-stop reading yeah you know, cookbooks you know of course the has to be right yeah yeah. the second that a new cookbook comes out you know everybody's like oh did you get that book did you get you know <laughs> right. it's like yeah I got it I got it you know, it's a month away, and then you're buried in that book for a month and mm-hmm. then until you pull as much of it out of it as you can and then um, but I did I did stage at the French Laundry um, a couple of years back wow. and was offered a position and I really had to think about it um, my quality of life Mm -hmm. and you know there's been a lot of articles that have come out in the past couple years about how horrible this industry is to to people and how you know it just grinds you up and then you have no social life you have Mm -hmm. no life outside of the kitchen and I don't mind that you know I I prefer to be in the kitchen I feel more comfortable in the kitchen but you know I have a dog and it was kind of like if I move to Napa Valley and start working in the French Laundry is, what's my quality of life gonna be? Right. You know, and and I, at, the, at the time I was a sous chef at Herons, and it was kind of like, do I want to start all the way back at the bottom again? Mm-hmm. And I know that it was a, I should have done it, you know, ultimately, that, what I would have learned there would have propelled me into another level, you know, obviously, but.
0: Yeah, but I mean, should you have, cause you're right, you're going back to the bottom again, and it's not like Napa Valley is, I mean, Look, Raleigh and Durham are not, well, Raleigh in particular, is not the cheapest place to live. Napa Valley is like a whole other yeah, level.
1: Yeah, and all the guys there, they all lived with each other. Of course. I mean, you know, that was the deal. But, um, you know, I just saw, I saw what the French Laundry was and how much I could take away from it. And then I'd look back on what Herons was offering me at the time mm-hmm. and what I was learning there. And then I thought about the area. You know, Raleigh, Durham, Chapel 10 years from now, this is going to be a whole different scene. Right. Um, and especially what's happening in Raleigh right now, all the food, you know, Scott Crawford opening up his, his deals, you know, Ashley Christensen having the game pretty much laid out <laughs> yeah. in town. Um, but, I mean, there's so much talent. And with Kim and Dan from one coming in to Chapel Hill, mm. talent is coming here. Yeah, and it's only a matter of time until we start getting national recognition. I mean, we already do get some yeah. recognition, but well, you know,
0: it's amazing. Like the end of twenty fourteen, all of the restaurant best of lists. I mean, you know, it was it was mostly Ashley Christensen and some of the bakers around here, but like every list had at least somebody from yeah, the Triangle showing exactly. up. Exactly. So I mean,
1: it's only you know it's only going to get bigger. Yeah. And I love the area. Mm-hmm. You know, I love the the produce, the just everything about North Carolina and what we have to offer. and Plus, you know, three mile, three hours to the mountains, two miles or two hours to the uh, yeah. beach. That's can't really beat
0: that. Yeah, but, and in ten um, years Napa Valley could be off in the ocean yeah, somewhere. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> right?
1: um, But yeah, I, I really that was a pivotal point in my career where I just kind of thought, you know, do I buy into that lifestyle that a lot of my a lot of my colleagues have done? Is you know, moving to the big city and mm-hmm. working your life away into a kitchen until you just can't do it anymore. And yeah. I didn't really see that that was for me and um you know I developed a very good relationship with my parents you know I had lost that relationship and I, I kind of wanted to to keep that going mm-hmm. um like I said I had the dog and it was kind of I didn't want to just give him up or anything like yeah. that so it, it just really came down to you know let's see what North Carolina has to do and yeah. you know I think we're seeing it now we're going to see it Soon, you know, we're coming up. It's, it's just going to be, you know, everything that's being built around this area, you know, it's phenomenal. So, yeah. It's just going to get busier and busier. Yeah.
0: And
1: better and better every day. So, so
0: before we wrap up, and if the answer is no, it's fine. I mean, you know, the point of this interview is just to talk to you, not to, you know, motherfuck you in any way. Um, can we talk a little bit about your drug and alcohol years, or would you rather not? Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean so uh, just the simple question like, are you sober now? Yes. So, so then the question is, how hard is it to avoid the kind of temptation working? And when I say in a kitchen environment, I don't mean because of the pirate lifestyle. I mean, like, especially a place like Piedmont, a lot of thought goes into the pairings and all that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, you look at, you know, as far as staying away from it, you know, I, there's not a day goes by that, you know, you don't think about it. Of course. I mean, it's just one of those things. It's kind of like when you quit smoking. Right. You always think about it, you know? Um, but for me, it's just kind of been one of those things where it's like, I know what my life was. Yeah. Do I ever want to go back to that? Yeah. No, because the, and it it will happen so fast. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just one of those things where you know how bad it gets and you know that, I mean, do you really want to live your life like that? Right. You know? And it it just was easy. It's, it's getting easier. Obviously. But, uh, now it's just kind of like, you know, I just I can't even imagine going back to yeah. You
0: know. It's it's weird as as you were saying that I was thinking that a restaurant is probably a or a kitchen in particular is probably a good and bad place to work because a sure you know there's there are all kinds of different lifestyles that have to come together to work in a kitchen and you know the, the parents like but also like you mentioned. There's hardly any time for a social life when you're a chef, so it's very easy to throw yourself into the work.
1: Yeah, and, you know, you think about it, it's like, do I have time to do this? Right now. I don't have time to, (laughs) you know, go out or whatever. And, you know, it's one of those things that you're you're so focused Mm -hmm. on, you know, whatever my end-all goal of this restaurant, you know, or this whatever, where I am, what's my end-all goal here? Um, And I, you know, have to, John Children's always used to make me write, pros and cons list and um, you know I write those down I write my goals down it's like uh, am I is this going to affect me
0: negatively? Mm-hmm.
1: yes and I'm not gonna do it you know right. I mean um, and that's that's kind of the thing it's just never stopping yes yeah. constantly staying inspired constantly forcing yourself to try new things you know um, putting, putting yourself into uncomfortable situations in the kitchen and getting out of that successfully That gives you a good feeling and, you know, makes it a little bit easier. Right. Um, And of course, you know, the support of, you know, the people around me, Crawford, Scott Crawford, John Childers, you know, these guys are, you know, I consider them family Mm -hmm. and I can go to them if I ever have a bad day or if I ever have a day that starts, I feel like I'm in trouble. Yeah. They're always there. Yeah. You know
0: so before we wrap up you mentioned you've been doing this since '06, right yeah and all in the triangle yep so that's about the time my wife and i got here in '05, um and you know, we first moved to Triangle. we moved to durham and i don't mean that none of this was here but none of this was happening the way it is now yeah. so as you, from the inside how did you sort of watch the culinary scene here grow because like Piedmont, you guys aren't exactly on a main stretch Of downtown Durham, but you do very well. Like people know it's here, and it's a destination for people Mm. that probably wouldn't have been heard of even just ten years ago.
1: It's been wild. Uh, I mean, like I said earlier, it's just the talent that's come. Sure, and uh, you know,
0: but you know, the the thing like when I think back to coming here in 05 versus now, yeah, the talent is here, but it's also like something has changed in the willingness of people of because. You know, we got here in '05. I remember there was a big hubbub about a new cheesecake factory. Up, yeah, you know, yeah, you know yeah. I mean? It, it, and that is not even a blip on the radar anymore, yeah. aside from the jobs it creates.
1: Yeah. the um, I think that a lot of people are kind of like, you know, the explosion of the, the fine dining restaurants. And not only the fine dining, but just the good restaurants. You, right. know, you go to major cities, and it's hard to find a bad restaurant. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, of course, they're out there. Yeah. But, you know... There's a good restaurant on every block, mm-hmm. and um, people doing really cool stuff and I think that you know north carolina we you know we've gotten back to the farmers and all that kind of yeah. stuff, and you know what's available to us is' unbelievable and um, I think that you know people some people are kind of thinking about like how am I going to leave my legacy and you know how am I going to put my footprint on the culinary scene in this area mm-hmm. you know, and what can we do to make North Carolina stand out, you know. I mean, South Carolina, Virginia. I mean, these places have done, especially in the southern food, food industry. You know, they they've done cool stuff. I mean, I mean North Carolina has a lot of great stuff going for it. You know, it's, but we haven't really stood out nationally yeah. yet. Um, so I think it's just kind of like, who's gonna who's gonna do it? Yeah. Who's gonna do something really spectacular?
0: Yeah. End all goal. Yeah. You know. good, well, man. Thank you so much. Thank you.
1: Good to meet you. Good to meet you as well.
0: And a big thank you to Greg uh, for sitting down with me. Interesting. That one restaurant has given me two of uh, my favorite episodes of Spooning. First, uh, General Manager and Beverage Director Crawford LaVoy, uh, and now uh, Greg Gettle. So, for next week, we've got a couple of irons in the fire, although with the holiday, I don't know exactly what we're going to be able to put together next week. might be an off week, but I, I don't think so. Uh, I just am preparing you for disappointment so in the meantime everybody uh thank you so much for sticking around if you're listening to us on itunes please go on and uh and rate us let uh, itunes know how much you like the show uh and if you are listening to us through raleigh and company uh poke around see what else we have to offer there all right guys thanks a lot